All right, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. I think we got through verse 1 last week. Not bad, huh? One whole verse. Let me read the first five verses. Therefore, laying aside all malice, we covered these five things last week, all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we ask your blessing upon this time in your word. Lord, we thank you that you are so faithful to feed your sheep. You are the good shepherd and you've provided us with so much wonderful food from your word. We ask you to bless this time of Bible study now in Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 Peter talks about laying aside all these bad character traits that should not be in the life of a believer. And then as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word. So again, even as he did in chapter 1, Peter brings in again the concept of new birth. And we know that that's what being a believer is all about. Being born again, we know that that term got kind of diluted and polluted, unfortunately. It's kind of weird back when Jimmy Carter was running for president, for those of you who are old enough to remember. The big deal with Jimmy Carter was he came out, this is kind of funny, in an interview with Playboy magazine, he came out as a born-again Christian. It's kind of a strange dichotomy, isn't it? But, and so... Now, as it turned out, I was, I, was a young, I was young then. I'd only voted once or twice before. I was on tour in Australia, and I didn't know anything about absentee ballots. So I didn't get to vote in that election of 1980, I guess it was. 79? 76. That's right. I wasn't in Australia in 1980. 76. Uh, so I didn't get to vote. But had I been home... And had I voted, I was, even though I grew up in Arizona, and almost everybody in Arizona in the 50s and 60s was a Republican. Now even some of the Republicans aren't Republicans, but that's another story. And so, my family had always voted Republican, but I was going to vote for Jimmy Carter because he was born again. And as a naive young believer, I took everybody and everything at face value. Oh, wow, that's awesome. He's a Christian. I'm going to vote for him. It's not quite that simple. How many of you know that? <laughs> uh, we won't even talk about how many times we've been burned by people who claim to be Christians, right? I'm not slamming Christians. I love Christians. I am one. And we are, the Bible says, love hopes all things, believes all things. 1 Corinthians 13, endures all things. And I've always taken the approach in life that we should give each other the benefit of the doubt. I think that's biblical. Oftentimes, we're, we're way too quick to judge. 
we are to give each other the benefit of the doubt. Jesus said, be as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves, right? So we've got to blend our naivety and gullibility with some wisdom. The new birth. So anyway, after Jimmy Carter made a big deal out of being born again, and then there were a number of Christian evangelistic campaigns focusing in. Like all of a sudden, born again is a new term. Nobody ever heard of it before. And then there were actually, I don't know if you guys remember this, there became this big controversy between people in more the more mainstream, mainline churches and your more evangelical, non-denominational charismatics. And some people would say, I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those born-againers. Do you remember that? There were actually people saying that. I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those born-againers. Well, wait a minute. Jesus said, you must be born again. So to say you're a Christian, but you're not a born-againer, that doesn't work. But somehow, this negative connotation became attached to the idea of being, I'm born again, brother, are you? But Peter here, once again, brings up the concept of the new birth. The idea that in Christ, we've been born anew, And afresh. Jesus said you can't even see the kingdom of God or enter the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. New birth. The old birth, the physical birth, doesn't hold up or stand up when you stand before God. You see, God dwells in unapproachable light. God is a fiery God. How many of you have read the Bible and you realize that fire is associated with God throughout the scriptures? So guess what? If you're going to hang out with God, you've got to be inflammable. These bodies are not inflammable. How many of you know that? How many of you ever burned yourself on a stove or a pot, pan, barbecue, lighter, matches? These bodies are not inflammable. We're going to be getting a new inflammable body which will allow us to dwell in the presence of God. But the first step or first phase towards getting your new inflammable, flame-proof body is to be born again. See, first comes the new birth, the spiritual birth, and then when we see Jesus face to face, we will receive our immortal, eternal, glorified, imperishable, incorruptible bodies, invincible. Ah, here's another interesting strategy. As we approach the last of the last days, how many of you believe that's where we are? If you don't, that's okay. But it's encouraging to see how many do. All of a sudden, there's this massive... Now, there have been superhero movies in the past, but nothing compared with what we're seeing today. And you see, part of the end times strategy on the part of the dark side is to get the younger generations in particular so enamored, so mesmerized by all this superhero, superhuman stuff. Make no mistake, folks. This is not speculation or theory. This is a fact. We know about all the stuff that's going on in the world of robotics, right? Microchips, DNA experimentation, genetic modifications... 
I mean, there's so much going on out there. I mean, we are this close. In fact, I think it's already happened. People getting implants, brain implants, microchips, cyborgs. We're right there. Anybody here today who doesn't believe it, I'm sorry, but you're really not in touch with what's going on in the world. It's a fact. And so they are brainwashing the younger generations to accept these things as good, normal. And wow, you too can be superhuman if you take our chip, if you let us modify your DNA and so forth. And so the new world order under Jesus Christ is coming soon. And you and I, if you're a believer here today, we are going to be part of the group that will be known as the immortals. Hello? How's that for some Christian sci-fi? But it's real. It's true. You and I will be immortal. But see, the devil knows that. And he wants to run the world. He's trying to set up his new world order before Jesus comes back. And part of his new world order is that he will also promise immortality. The only problem, everything he promises there's always some really bad side effects, right? There's always a really high price to pay. But more and more people in the world are becoming deceived and buying into this game plan. And don't get me wrong, I enjoy these superhero movies as much as the next person. The difference is I know God and I can separate the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, I don't ever want to be a cyborg. I don't ever want to have a chip implant. I don't want to have anybody messing with my DNA except the one who made me. But the problem is you've got literally millions and perhaps even billions of people all over the world watching this stuff and they don't know God and they are preparing to embrace Satan and his earthly representative, the Antichrist, as their God. I'm getting so far out of the bounds. of <laughs> This was all about newborn babes. Being born again. Like newborn babes or as newborn babes. Desire. Or this could also be translated crave. Any of you here know what a craving is like? especially ladies that have had babies. They tend to crave really weird stuff like pickles and ice cream, right? Desire or crave the pure milk of the word. And so, last week we saw lay aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Instead of our fleshly evil desires, craving those things, they're to be replaced with a desire for what? The Word of God. And yet, more and more, in so many churches, we see the, the craving or the desire for the Word of God being tamped down in favor of... Remember my new favorite phrase? That doesn't make me feel good. See the eyebrows? That doesn't make me feel good. Oh, we're not going to get into these heavy doctrines that offend people 
and divide people. We want to talk about nice things, sweet things, pleasant things. Well, let me, let me just propose this to you. And again, there's nothing wrong with this if you only come to church on Sunday. I'm just glad you're here. But if you only go to church on Sunday, now maybe you listen to Christian radio all day, every day, and that can be scary in and of itself. Or Christian TV. It's, there's a lot of stuff out there that you really shouldn't be listening to. But maybe you don't. Maybe you have a very busy life. You spend a lot of hours at work and so forth. I know a guy, mid-30s, five kids, works all day, comes home, eats dinner, works on his house, goes to bed, gets up and does it all over again. Hardly even has any time to spend with his family. And there's a lot of people like that out there. But here's my point. In day-to-day life, as you're out there interacting in the world, maybe you're watching TV, maybe you're listening to something on the radio other than Christian radio. And I'm not judging you for that either. I like oldies and all that stuff. But we are bombarded. And all the fake news, huh? CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, MSNBC, and all. There's a lot of interesting anacronyms for those channels. My point is this. The majority of people, including many believers, are being lied to almost every waking moment of every day. Do you realize that? Do you realize that? I don't care where you go. You go to school, public school. I guarantee you, you're being lied to. You're being taught evolution. Most of the teachers in the public schools are liberal. Not all, but many. You're being lied to about transgenderism, LGBTQ, DQ, Dipcone, you name it. You're being lied to at work. You're being lied to at school. You're being lied to by the TV. You're being lied to by the movies. You are being lied to constantly. And your only defense against all this lying is this book. You get it? You're even being lied to by your family and friends because none of us are perfect. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everywhere you, There's only one person that will not lie to you and that's God. And so Peter says, just like a newborn baby, what's their number one focus? Eating. Eating. And my daughter's most recent... The grandson that she's given us, Weston, who's a year old next month, he hardly ever sleeps. But he eats, and he eats a lot. Peter says that's how we're to be as believers. Desiring, craving, crave to call for as a gratification. Now we all have things in our lives that gratify us. We look for that, you know, and we're, we're such a, self-gratification society today. But crave means to call for as a gratification, to long for, to require or demand. Now back in the day it was, I want my MTV. Remember? Demanding it. I want my cell phone. I want my iPad. 
I mean, today you take these things away from kids and they go into a heroin withdrawal. They go into cold sweats. They start shaking. They have seizures. Why aren't you laughing? It's true, though. Demand it. I want my Bible. I want the Word of God. Why isn't there more people in the church saying that, craving that? Why aren't people standing up and saying, Pastor, I'm not really interested in your funny jokes or your stories. I want to hear the Scriptures. I want to hear the Scriptures. Just like we've not stood up against abortion and all these other things that have eroded our society. People go and they sit in a church and they hear baloney and they say, Pass the mustard. Boy, you guys are really... I don't know what's going on. Anyway, crave it as a passion or appetite. As the stomach or appetite craves food. Do we all know about that one? That's how we're to be with the Word of God. Peter wants his readers to be as eager for the nourishment of the Word as babies are for milk. Just like junk food junkies, as we come out of the world into the faith, we have to get rid of all the garbage and develop a taste for the good. And by the way, there are a couple other places in the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 3.2, Hebrews 5.12, where it talks about milk in the context of immature believers, like you're not ready yet for the meat of the Word. But that's not what it means here. Peter's not using it in that context. He's using it in a general sense, meaning we should be as hungry for the Word as a newborn baby is for milk. And then he says that you may grow thereby. Or grow up. That you may grow up. But how do we grow as believers? By feeding upon the Word of God, the Holy Scriptures. Something we need to do individually and also corporately as we come together In Ephesians chapter 4, it says that God has given apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. We each have a personal responsibility to feed upon the Word. But then there's another level at which we need to sit under anointed Bible teaching by people who are gifted to do it. And I'm not saying that's me, although I believe it or I wouldn't be up here, but that's, that's your decision whether you think that's true or not. But it is by consistently feeding on the Word that we grow up. How many of you have noticed there are a lot of believers running around that don't seem very mature? Most of you just aren't being honest. Are you too embarrassed to raise your hand? I'm stating a fact. If we look at the church as a whole, I would say that the majority of people today who call themselves Christians, are not mature believers. Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. Again, I'm not trying to judge anybody, but it is what it is. Hello? And the reason is, the only way that you can mature as a believer is to be feeding regularly upon the Word of God. Feelings are not going to mature you. I mean, babies have lots of feelings, don't they? And they make a lot of noise, don't they? In fact, that's one of the primary signs of immaturity 
noisiness. Right? Kicking, screaming, whining, complaining. And so not only are there a lot of people in the church that are immature, look at our world today, our society. We got whining babies everywhere. And we also are a nation that's turned our back on God and removed Bibles from the schools, removed prayer from the schools. And when you remove the solid foundation of Judeo-Christianity, you get a bunch of immature, whining, spoiled brats. Our nation is full of them today, in and out of the church. And that's the kind of talk that gets me in trouble. I'm sorry, can't help it. By the way, an interesting thought. The opposite of growth is not stunting. We could say, well, you know, if you don't feed it on the Word, your growth will be stunted. No, no. I would say, oh, you know, uh, we have the Midget Believers Fellowship meeting over here on Friday, Dwarfs for the deity. I would say the opposite of growth because in order to grow, you've got to feed. And you don't feed, then what is the result of that? It's death, that's right. If we don't feed on the Word, it's just not a matter of, well, I'm, you know, you're just a big baby in Christ. I'll change my diaper. It's crazy. Oh, my gosh. There was a girl on the Internet, grown woman, basically, living life as a baby. She lived in a giant playpen, wore a diaper, and her boyfriend would feed her. I mean, there's some crazy stuff going on out there, folks. You know what happens when you push God away? We don't want you anymore, God. We don't believe in you. You don't exist. We evolved. We're just animals. You start acting like it. It's exactly what happens. If a baby doesn't eat, oh, well, I know I ought to feed him, but, yeah, just don't feel like it. I guess he probably won't grow very well. No, he, he'll, he'll do more than not grow very well. What will happen? He'll die. And then you have zombie apocalypse. You have dead people walking around. And that's, we've got that too. I've been saying for a number of years that all this obsession with zombies, TV programs, movies, it is prophetic. It is absolutely prophetic because that is what's coming is a zombie apocalypse and a lot of people are already there for a number of reasons. That you may grow thereby in your salvation. That's interesting. So we have salvation at the point that we receive Christ at the very moment. It's instantaneous. You're born again. You're saved. But Peter says we need to grow up in our salvation. Now, how many of your parents here today? A lot. It doesn't matter if your kids are little, small, grown, whatever. Parents, grandparents. Often, what do we do? Because kids grow so fast. We buy clothes and shoes that are a little too big, right? So that they can grow into them, right? 
growing into our salvation. And so really, yeah, I mean, God lays out quite an agenda for us as believers more than we can possibly know or understand or comprehend at the beginning. But he set out these spiritual clothes for us to wear that we need to grow into. God has given us the position in Christ of being saved and set free from sin and death, ultimately to be made perfect, but we must grow into these spiritual clothes day by day. Make sense? Now what happens if you get these clothes and you don't grow into them? They're baggy, saggy, you're going to trip all over them. There was a movie with Tom Hanks called Big. It's one of these movies where the kid wants to be an adult. He doesn't want to wait. Any of you remember being like that? I want to grow up. I can't wait to grow up. Sometimes people lie about their age because they want to be older than they really are. And then you get older and you wish to God you, <laughs> you were younger again. So it happens. He gets his wish. He's an adult, you know. He's got suit and tie and he gets, all this stuff happens. But at the end of the movie, he realizes, no, 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 I'm not ready for this. I want to be a kid again. So all the magic hocus-pocus takes place. And as he's walking away, he, while he's an adult, he gets a girlfriend. And she falls in love with him because of his childlike qualities. Because even though he's got the body of a man, he still thinks like a kid. I can relate to that. Okay. But at the end of the movie, as he gets his wish and he becomes a child again, he... He's walking away and he slowly starts shrinking down and the clothes just get bigger and bigger and bigger till they're just hanging off of him, you know. We're called to grow up into our salvation. Philippians 2.12 Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, the fact that God sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins so that you might be saved and go to heaven and not have to die and go to hell, that's a pretty big deal, isn't it? It's the biggest of all deals. God says, take it seriously. Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's the same thing Peter is saying. Grow up in your salvation. If you've been a Christian, 5, 10, 15, 20 years You ought to be more mature now than when you started out. You started out as a newborn babe in Christ, but there ought to be some maturity. Again, when you see a grown woman on the uh, YouTube living in a playpen and wearing a diaper, if you have any rationality and any common sense, you realize that is insane. But picture in your mind a church full of people sitting there in their diapers, adults not a pretty picture is it but when you see believers stop it no mine mine hello don't play with patty anymore you don't like her and yet christians act like that that's immaturity at its best or worst It's like getting an advance on your salary at work when you get saved. You've gotten paid in advance, but now you have to work for what you've gotten. And again, we aren't saved by works. We work because we're saved. 
It wouldn't go over very well if the boss gave you a big advance on your salary and then you decide not to show up for work anymore. Oh, I'm just going to go to Fiji and live on an island, man. It wouldn't go over very well. Wait a minute. I paid you. Now I expect you to do the work. We used that example a couple of weeks ago of somebody gives you a brand new, beautiful BMW, Mercedes, Cadillac, whatever your dream car is. Hey, this is free. Here are the keys. It's yours. But now you have to maintain it. You have to change the oil. You have to tune it up. You have to keep air in the tires. You have to change the tires when they wear out. Otherwise, that beautiful new car will turn into a pile of junk. If we don't maintain our salvation, it'll turn into a pile of junk. And then it does us or no one else any good, and it brings a lot of shame upon God. Verse 3, I can't believe it. We moved on to the next verse. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, if, now this can also be translated since, that's probably the better translation. Since you've tasted. Because he's speaking to people who've been born again. They've been converted. So obviously they've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Psalms 34, 8. Some of my favorite scriptures. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, that we could get more people to just taste and see. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to hear this Jesus stuff. Right? Come on, man. Taste and see the Lord is good. Right? If you've tasted, you know. Psalms 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. And you know what? By the way, that means all of his words. Including the ones that might not make you feel good. That doesn't make me feel good. But you know what? All of his words are sweet. Because they are life. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. That's the impact the word of God should have on you as a believer. I don't believe you should ever come across a passage that makes you go, Ooh, I don't like that. It's sweet. Because it's from the mouth of God. It's God's word. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious or good. Peter says, now that you know how awesome God and His Word are, let that newfound hunger for spiritual food keep you moving on toward maturity in Christ. Have you ever tasted something so good that you just wanted more and more? That's how we're supposed to be with the Word of God with God and His Word, now that you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, you probably noticed this, but when you are sick, your sense of taste is greatly diminished. You ever noticed? Have you ever been sick and you're really craving? We talked about craving, didn't we? You're really craving something, and so you, get, you go to the, to the restaurant and get it takeout or make it at home, whatever. Oh, I've been really craving this, but you're sick. You start to taste it, you're disappointed. Right? It doesn't taste right because you're sick. Only when we've been healed of the disease of sin, born again, babies, 
with new clean taste buds. But there were things I couldn't eat when I was a kid because it was just too strong. Yellow mustard. Anybody struggle with that as a kid? It, that was, my mouth was sensitive. I couldn't handle yellow mustard, certain things like that. And other things I did not like the taste of. I didn't like tomatoes as a kid. I could eat like spaghetti, something like that. But you know, tomatoes, sliced tomatoes, no way, Jose. Peas, yuck. I still don't like peas, except in certain situations. If you mix them up with some mashed potatoes and other things. But you know what I'm talking about? Things that you found not palatable. But newborn babies, they have these clean taste buds. And taste everything. And then we can begin to really taste the things of God. So when people have a, quote, bad taste in their mouth about God or the Bible or Christianity, it's because they need new taste buds. They need to be born again. In three verses now, Peter has moved us from the fleshly attitudes of the unconverted heart to the peaceful position of newborn babies restfully feeding upon and enjoying the wonderful spiritual food found in God's Word and in God Himself. So, here's what I would say to you. Take the time to enjoy it. To enjoy the milk of the Word. Feeding upon God's Word. Cultivating a desire and a taste for it. Because this is the only area in your life where it's okay to act like a big baby. Craving that milk of the word. Okay? Let's stand. Father God, we thank you for the new birth. Lord, help us to realize how significant, how important, how serious it is that you have sent your only son to die on the cross for our sins that He paid the price for our sins. He died in our place so that we might be forgiven, washed in the blood of the Lamb, cleansed from every sin, born again, thereby able to partake of Your Word, to crave it, to desire it, to enjoy it, and to grow because of it. Father, wherever anyone here today is at, You know each heart, You know each mind. Lord, we're all at different places in our spiritual growth. Some are farther along than others. But Lord, you love each one of us and you desire to help us continue on that pathway to spiritual maturity. But Lord, it starts with being born again. So I pray if there's even one person here today that cannot say with a certainty that they are born again, that they're a child of God, that I pray that today you would draw them to yourself, that they would make a profession of faith in Christ as their own personal Lord and Savior. And Father, for others who do know you, but maybe they feel like they've kind of drifted off the path and they haven't been experiencing the spiritual growth lately that they should be. They haven't been working out their own salvation with fear and trembling. We thank you that you're a God of forgiveness, mercy, grace, fresh starts, new beginnings, and second chances. And I pray that anyone here today that's desiring a second chance, a fresh start with you that they would come today and pray and just let you do a new work in their life. Father, you know each heart. You know where everyone's coming from today. Pray that no one would leave disappointed, but anyone and everyone who needs prayer and ministry today would come and receive from you in these closing moments. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen.